0: DiscerningHearts.com presents Beginning to Pray with Dr. Anthony Lillis. Dr. Lillis is an associate professor and the academic dean of St. John's Seminary in Camarillo, California, as well as the academic advisor for the Juan Diego House of Priestly Formation for the Archdiocese of Los Angeles. Through the years, clergy, seminarians, religious, and lay faithful have benefited from his lectures and retreat conferences on the Carmelite Doctors of the Church and the writings of Blessed Elizabeth of the Trinity. Dr. Lillis is also the author of Hidden Mountain, Secret Garden, a Theological Contemplation of Prayer. In this series of conversations with Dr. Lillis, we reflect on the writings of Blessed Elizabeth of the Trinity. Her retreat, entitled The Last Retreat, is the source of our current reflection. Beginning to Pray with Dr. Anthony Lillis, I'm your host, Chris McGregor. Anthony, thank you so much for joining me again.
1: It's a blessing to be with you, Chris.
0: The 13th day.
1: Yes. What I thought we might do is, this goes from a paragraph 32 to paragraph 35, and I thought we might read a paragraph at a time.
2: Instaurare Omnia in Christo. Again it is Saint Paul who instructs me, Saint Paul who has just immersed himself in the great counsel of God and who tells me that he has resolved in himself to restore all things in Christ. So that I may personally realize this divine plan, it is again Saint Paul who comes to my aid and who will himself draw up a rule of life for me walk in Jesus Christ he tells me be rooted in him built up in him strengthened in faith growing more and more in him through thanksgiving
1: and the rest of the reflection is going to be on that last line to walk in him be rooted and built up in him, to be strengthened in him, to grow more and more through thanksgiving.
0: I've said this numerous times as we've gone through this retreat, but it's almost like every single sentence has something for us to so deeply ponder. And even in that first one, where she talks about how St. Paul, who has immersed himself in the great counsel of God, Oh my gosh, is that just not the heartbeat of the contemplative experience?
1: Uh, that's, a, that's beautiful, and I think it's quite true. Uh, to spend time in contemplative prayer, and by contemplative prayer we mean a kind of prayer that is a, a simple movement of heart, a surrender to the presence of God. Teresa of Avila, she calls our awareness of the presence of God, she calls that mystical wisdom. And so uh, to pray contemplatively is to avail the heart to this mystical wisdom, this awareness of God's presence, even amidst all the ambiguities of life. Elizabeth of the Trinity is someone thoroughly immersed in this. She says St. Paul is, this counsel of God. To be aware of his presence is to be immersed in his counsel. Uh, She's aware of this in the midst of her own trials. And we've talked about uh, those trials before, but um, it's good to recall that the author of this this statement is someone who is on her deathbed, who's getting weaker and weaker, even as this retreat is coming into its final days, and she's coming to complete her final thoughts. Her body's giving out. Uh, The weaknesses that go along with it have increased. There are moments where it's quite unbearable. She has all those interior things and then there's exterior things. The community in Dijon and the government there has become very anti-Catholic. And where does she choose to turn her attention? She's not worried about the external trials, doesn't spend a lot of time dwelling on her own afflictions. Instead she turns her heart to, to what is beautiful, to what God is doing and she's doing it because she has let her heart be instructed by the example of Saint Paul. And Saint Paul in the beginning of Ephesians, these lines come out of Ephesians chapter 1 and the first 10 verses, to restore all things in Christ. This is the Father's eternal plan and Saint Paul in the very beginning of that letter reminds Christians to raise up their heart and to look for Him to turn their attention and to avail themselves of His presence. In doing that, to see Him as the one who roots our whole existence, who can captivate us and catch us up into His plan. So anyway, there's something very beautiful in this. She is saying, St. Paul is instructing her to do this, even as she experiences all the difficulties that are engulfing her life right now she believes that just as he had this beautiful vision, she could have this beautiful vision too. And how? She says, so that I may personally realize this divine plan. St. Paul comes to my aid. He draws up for me a rule of life. So if we want to be immersed in the counsel of God, if we want to see God's plan for our life, if we want to know what His will is, and God has a plan for each of us, and His will is there for us. In order to realize that, in order to have that accessible to us, we need to live in a certain way. How we live is the basis or opens up the opportunity for what we see. If we don't live a life commensurate with the calling we have received, there are things that God wants to show us truths that we need to get by, and we've closed ourselves off from them. But if we live the right way, if we live in a way that is commensurate with the plan of God, we can see that plan, we can be immersed in it, we can be baptized in it. What is that plan is what Elizabeth says. What is the rule of life? What is the plan that opens up this vision, opens up this plan so that I can realize this plan inside me? And she says, this plan is to walk in Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is our plan of life. What does it mean to, be, to walk in Jesus? She's going to describe that it means to be rooted in him, to draw everything we need from him. She's going to describe that it means to allow him to be the foundation that we're built up on. In other words our identity and our uh, how we uh, choose to live and what we choose how we choose to see ourselves and see others needs to be founded on Christ Jesus so that he can build us up from him we find the strength and from him we learn to grow as we thank him for the good work that he's bringing to completion in us all of this is is right there in this very first introductory paragraph and the rest of the reflections unfold from there
0: Should we begin our walk in Jesus Christ with the next section on this?
2: To walk in Jesus Christ seems to me to mean to leave self, lose sight of self, give up self, in order to enter more deeply into him with every passing moment so deeply that one is rooted there. And to every event, to every circumstance, we can fling this beautiful challenge, Who will separate me from the love of Jesus Christ? When the soul is established in Him at such depth that its roots are also deeply thrust in, then the divine sap streams into it and all this imperfect, commonplace, natural life is destroyed. Then, in the language of the Apostle, that which is mortal is swallowed up by life. The soul thus stripped of self and clothed in Jesus Christ has nothing more to fear from exterior encounters or from interior difficulties. For these things far from being an obstacle serve only to root it more deeply in the love of its master through everything despite everything the soul can adore him always because of himself for it is free rid of self and everything else it can sing with the psalmist Though an army encamp against me, I will not fear. Though war be waged upon me, I will trust in spite of everything. For Yahweh will hide me in the secrecy of his tent. And this tent is nothing else but himself. I think that is what St. Paul means when he says, Be rooted in Jesus Christ.
1: there's so much here, but first thing to walk in Jesus Christ is we're following the footsteps of our crucified master. And so Jesus emptied everything for the Father. He, he did not cling to anything, he let go of everything, and he followed the Father's will. That was That required him to let go even of his very self. He lived, surrendered to the will of the Father. Do you want to know God's will for your life? Do you want to see the beauty and the glory of what He's doing? The first step to seeing the beauty of what God is doing is to surrender and let go and live a life in which instead of trying to control things, and trying uh, instead of trying to grasp things, instead of trying to lord it over others or attain things or distract yourself, Uh, console yourself. Instead of letting all those things occupy the energy of your heart, the energy of your heart, letting go of yourself. Letting go of your own selfish uh, selfish interests. Letting go of your, your own big fat ego. Just let it go. Don't let it be an obstacle anymore. Your ego doesn't need to be an obstacle between you and God. Surrender it. Let go of it let it die. And the more we die to ourselves, the more we die to our own plans and ambitions and the way we want and how we want things, we enter into a place where we're empty-handed, we're surrendered, we're we're ready to receive, we're we're broken and we're humble and uh, broken and humble and empty, God can give us something. God can show us His beautiful plan letting go of your own ego letting go of being the center of the universe this is what roots us into Jesus because this is exactly Jesus's the way he lived as a man when he took on our flesh he didn't cling to anything but he let go he didn't demand his way he simply proceeded with the Father's will, emptying himself all the way to the cross and this is what Elizabeth is saying, if you live like Jesus, this requires great faith. And this faith puts you deeper and deeper into him. Today, one of the biggest needs in the church is a renewal of religious life. Men's communities, women's communities are on the verge of a great renewal. But that renewal will only be as deep and as lasting as the priests, and the sisters and the nuns root themselves in Christ Jesus by letting go of their own big fat egos. And what's true about the priesthood and religious life is also true about each one of us as baptized Christians in our families. The Lord wants to renew the Catholic family, the Christian family today, but for, for Him to be able to renew the Christian family, we need to be rooted in Christ Jesus which means we need to put our own big fat egos in last place, let go of the way we want things to be done and how we want things to be done and be open to the new work that God wants to do. He wants to do something beyond our imagination, something that is really beyond our control. But he can't do that thing if we're grasping and closed off and absorbed in ourselves. He can't show us the beautiful thing, the beautiful work that He wants to accomplish in us that He's already begun if our hands are grasped and clinging on to something that is not His will. Again, as we empty ourselves, as we let go of our, our own ambitions and our earthly dreams and we're receptive to the dreams of Jesus, Jesus can do something really wonderful. The Holy Father more recently has talked about uh, a renewal of the family life and the courage that we need to have to dream dreams, that we need to dream for our families if we're going to have healthy families. I would like to second his thought. I think today that family life is crippled because we don't dream about what a Christian family, what it could be like if we were more surrendered to Christ Jesus. But that requires just what Elizabeth is asking of us right now. In order to have a dream for our families, we need to create room for the dreams of Christ inside us, in our hearts. That means letting go of dreams that are not worthy of us, letting go of efforts that are beneath our dignity. What is our dignity? Our dignity isn't in the great achievements that we might have of this world, or the creaturely comforts, or the kind of home or car we drive, or the job or position we attain at work. It's not even what people think about us. What defines who we are, what roots us in Jesus as we let go of our own big fat ego, is the love of God. When you know the love of Christ Jesus, when you let that define who you are, when you let that define the kinds of decisions you make, this being rooted in Him allows us to draw from Jesus everything we need to live moment by moment a life of deep faith, a kind of faith in which we thrive and we live life to the full. Isn't it interesting? By dying to ourselves, we can live life to the full. This is what Elizabeth is encouraging us. When the soul is established in him at such depths that its roots are also deeply thrust in, then the divine sap streams into it, and all this imperfection, commonplace, natural life is destroyed. That which is mortal is swallowed up by life. Elizabeth envisions the soul as a a reality that can be rooted in God. When it's not rooted in God, it doesn't have life in it and it's controlled by its own imperfections and limitations. But once the soul begins to empty itself of itself so that it can be rooted in God, God's life begins to swallow up its imperfections. So instead of being defined by the things, my own inadequacies and failures, or the apparent successes that I glory in, I'm defined instead by the love of God.
0: It really requires us to have a tremendous amount of trust, doesn't
1: it? it? It does. And this, I think, is the great decision that makes all the difference that in our Christian life, this is why discernment is so important. In each one of our lives, we have things that are being thrown at us all the time, things that can take us away from what is truly important, things that cause us to forget the love of God, which we need to be rooted in. Whenever we're confronted with grave difficulties, we have a broken instinct of self-preservation that kind of kicks in, and we want to do everything we can to protect ourselves or sometimes protect our loved ones. And sometimes our fear and anxiety over what will happen to ourselves or happen to those we love blinds us from what the love of God is, is doing in us. This is where two things come. The wisdom of discernment, looks for what God is doing in this apparent crisis and rests in the work that God is doing instead of reacting to the crisis. What is it that God is doing and how can I affirm what God is doing rather than react to the circumstances? And the the second thing kind of uh, flows from that or uh, is connected to that and that is there is in that uh, as we confront difficulties each difficulty becomes an occasion like in a sacrament where we can deepen our trust in God. A lot of people think that difficulties rob us of our confidence of of God, but, but it's really quite the opposite. If you never have any difficulties, if there's no suffering in your life, if there are no challenges, if everything goes right all the time, well you don't really need God, do you? You don't need to trust Him at all because you have everything handled. But the moment things start going wrong, when God permits tough things to happen in your life, you find the need to cry out to Him and when you find that need, when you're at that place where you you're brought to the very edge, you know you can't hang on anymore and you cry out to Him, that is the beginning of learning how to trust God. When you learn how to trust God, you're no longer living by your own impulses or reacting to situations when you a soul that trusts God, that draws its strength from Him, that's rooted in Him, that's rooted in Christ Jesus, that soul, it's a witness, an icon of a life this world can't hold. And it is raised up above all the trials and difficulties that are thrown at it, no matter how bad they are. Though an army encamp against me, I will not fear. Though war be waged upon me, I will trust in spite of everything, for the Lord will hide me in the secrecy of his tent, and this tent is nothing else but himself." This is the beauty then of learning to die to self so that we can be rooted in Christ when those trials and difficulties come on. He, God hides us in himself, hides us in his beautiful presence so that those Those trials and difficulties, even our failures, they don't get to define the situation. What defines our situation, uh, that situation, that difficulty, is the love of God and our trust in Him.
0: It is the great lie, isn't it, that He will not provide for our needs. That for some reason, our own self-reliance, our own will do a better job just to make sure Because God, even though he says he loves me and I'm putting my trust in him, I just, I I can't be 100% sure. And that's where the spiritual battle comes in, doesn't it, Anthony?
1: Yeah. You know, uh, we're afraid that these things that happen in life, whether it's our own trials or the trials of those we love, our own failures or the failures of those that we hope for so much, We're afraid that those things are going to going to destroy us, knock us down. We try to build ourselves up. We build little defense mechanisms. We react with anxiety. We we can't let go of saying things that maybe are a little bit too critical or uh, trying to do things that are a little bit too grasping and too controlling. What's behind all of that? What's behind all of that is a lack of trust in the Lord a lack of trust that he really can build us up. And now
2: what does it mean to be built up in him? The prophet also sings, he has set me high upon a rock. Now my head is held high above my enemies who surround me. I think that this can well be taken as a figure of the soul built up in Jesus Christ. He is that rock on which it is set high above self, the senses and nature, above consolations or sorrows, above all that is not him alone. And there, in complete self-control, it overcomes self. It goes beyond self and all else as well. Next, St. Paul advises me to be strengthened in faith. In that faith which never lets the soul doze but keeps it wholly vigilant beneath its master's gaze, wholly absorbed in recollection of his creating word. In that faith, in his exceeding love, which permits God, St. Paul tells me, to fill the soul with his fullness.
1: So, as you were saying, we can let these things that seem like they're going to tear us down, control our actions and so we we respond to them instead of allowing ourselves to be built up on God, to be rooted in Christ Jesus and built up by Him, in Him. When we choose not to let that happen, Elizabeth is saying it's like we're set up on a rock on high, and nothing can disturb us anymore. Christ Jesus sets us up high on Himself so that we are above ourselves and what our senses are experiencing, what our broken nature is experiencing, any consolations we receive or don't receive, any sorrows we have or don't have, anything and everything else in life is subordinated to Christ Jesus who is building us up and lifting us up on high. When we live there, this is where a, there's a certain kind of self-control and our emotional energy doesn't get wasted on things that don't go anywhere anymore. We use our emotions wisely. We use the, our emotions out of the strength, the, the solid foundation, the understanding that Christ Jesus gives us. St. Paul advises me to be strengthened in faith. To live like this, to live in this rock, means that we need to stay vigilant to the powerful things that the Lord is doing. And in particular she speaks about that our soul needs to be wholly vigilant under the Master's gaze. This for Elizabeth is talking again about contemplative prayer. Throughout this whole reflection, When she's talking about dying to yourself so that you can be rooted in Christ and aware of His love, even in the midst of all the trials that are coming, uh, so that you have the understanding, that rock to stand on, that rock that doesn't move in the midst of... All of this happens because your gaze is fixed on the gaze of Christ. All of this being built up in Christ, putting on Jesus Christ, all of being restored in Christ Jesus happens because you're. Of this mystical knowledge, this mystical wisdom we get by attending to the presence of Christ in the midst of it all. When we keep our eyes fixed on Him and are aware of what He's doing, He's able to protect us and raise us up. What is our job in this, if He's able to do that? Our job means is that we need to work at attending to him, meaning that it's hard work in the midst of all these trials and difficulties to keep our eyes fixed on him. We are constantly, um, we're, we're constantly letting, have the potential of letting these things distract us. We have an inclination to drop our guard and turn our thoughts to other things, sometimes good things and sometimes difficult things. And Elizabeth is saying, don't do that keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. This is the secret of self-control. This is the secret of a strong faith that isn't privy to the circumstances of the moment, but lets you live life to the full no matter what comes your way. This life that lives to the full no matter what comes our way, this mature faith, this faith with self-control, This is living with the fullness of Christ Jesus in our hearts.
0: You've been listening to Beginning to Pray with Dr. Anthony Lewis. To hear and or to download this episode, along with many others, go to DiscerningHearts.com. This has been a production of DiscerningHearts.com. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. Join me next time for Beginning to Pray with Dr. Anthony Lewis.